Hello guys, I'm back. So, we're about to talk about this. The Black Sperm Donor Apocalypse. Let's get into it. Bar Talk Radio, live in 4K. The thing is, is the then what they're not saying is the fact that um, men have been hit up for child support when they've donated their sperm. If things don't go their way, if the couple, if the alphabet couple has broken up, they want to go after the man that gave them the sperm in the first place. It happened to a white man. It happened to many men. So that's what they're not talking about. One of the reasons why black men are not giving away sperm. It's shocking because men are waking up and they don't want to deal with being sperm jacked. And sad to say, you're going to have a lot of black women that are going to resort to a lot of dirty tricks to try and get black men to sleep with them. See, what they don't tell you in the alphabet community that you have a lot of um, a lot of these lesbians going undercover as straight women. You know deceiving these men, getting pregnant, and then breaking up with them. And then having them pay child support, you know, in the process, sometimes. Um, I'm not going to say it's embarrassing, but I'm a black woman who wants black children. Uh-huh. I don't want a donor who is of another race. Um, and that's just my own preference because I'm black, right? You're black, but you don't, but you're trying to go against the fam, the traditional family function. That's the thing. Okay. That's what you're going against. 
All right. And black men are waking up in this era. See, I can see these tragedies that happened, the recession, the Me Too, the manosphere. It's all making men wake up. Okay. To have more self-control. There's a reason why. I mean, I don't agree with everything in the manosphere, but there's a reason why women are getting up in arms about the manosphere because you have low vibrational women that don't like the fact that men are waking up and they're messing up the game. They're trying to shame men into being with dysfunctional women within the community. They're trying to shame men not to take a passport and find a decent wife. You know, they're trying to shame intelligent black men, men who speak the King English, men who don't fit into the black community because they're not with the degeneracy, men who can speak their mind. You know, they're trying to shame those men into be community eunuchs for um, dysfunctional women. And it's not happening anymore. Therefore, hence the shortage. Okay. Also, the fact of no fap, you know, men practicing self-control and realizing that their sperm is their energy, what they need to focus to self-esteem, motivation. A lot of liberal women are not going to like that. Facilities or institutions, what do they tell you? Um, they tell you that there's a shortage. They don't explain why there's a, a shortage, but of course, the fact that there is a shortage, they will tell you we have people that have that are 65 and that have played sports and um, they have all of these other qualities. But my concern is having a black woman specifically. And so, we heard in the intro here. You know, it may be because they don't trust. Oh, fair use, fair use, fair use, fair use. But you think it's something else. I actually believe that it's because of the caregiver help. Um, and the reason why I say that is because black men are not in a space where they can meet the requirements that the sperm bank asks for. You have to be between the ages of 18 and 35. You need to know your board of health in regards to your family's background. And you also have to have a clean board of health when you are given a sperm, uh, I'm sorry, uh, um, a donation, which means that you would have to have went to the doctor more recently. Mm-hmm. So, com- And why do you want men to go to the doctor for? Why? So they could give you a child and the child, uh, the child um, is given in your hands and we don't know what's happening to our child when we're not there. Okay? That is the issue. That See, a lot of these women want men to just drop their brain at the door when it comes to these issues that's what they will drop your brain at the door that's what they want us to do don't think don't have any self-esteem don't value your sperm that piece of you that will bring forth a child that will attach you your soul to that child for life do not think a lot of women who are like this they just don't want men to think if you don't want a man be okay not having kids Okay, you want to go your uh, for the same team? Then you should deal with same team life. You don't need a you don't need kids. America has a black sperm donor shortage. Black women are paying the price. Black men account for fewer than two percent of the sperm donors at cryobanks. Their vials are gone in minutes. Every night, a little after one a.m., following her shift as a guard at a women's prison, a women's prison. Reese Brooks would open up her laptop a second 
a second laptop, then our phone and a tablet and begin scouring websites for sperm banks, opening dozens of tabs. This website offers hundreds of potential sperm donors, allowing Brooks to select from movie star looks, height, hobbies. But when she filled, filtered for black or African-American donors, her options swiftly dwindled. The cryo banks again Brooks gave Brooks a chance at motherhood, but they couldn't provide her what she wanted, a black sperm donor who could give her a child who looked like her and shared her culture. And what is that culture? Okay, degeneracy? What do, you, what do you want? Okay, basically it's degeneracy because you're living a, a lifestyle that cannot produce life. Okay, why not just be happy with who you are? And that's that. I'd say I spend 40 hours a week looking for a donor. Altogether, I think I searched more than 800 hours, Brooke said. But when it came to a black donor, she said her choices slim to none. Cryo Banks reported that the number of black women seeking their services conceived rose sharply during the pandemic after increasing steadily over the years. Black women between the ages of 35 and 45 are more likely to remain unmarried than women from other racial groups, according to the latest census data with 44% of non-Hispanic women, non-Hispanic black women unmarried compared with 16% of white women. Yet black sperm donors represent just a fraction of available supply. Fewer than 2% of the country's four largest sperm banks according to analysis by the washington post this is what we see here america's black sperm donor shortage number of sperm donors by race at the four leading u.s sperm banks as of october 11th white 391 asian 262 hispanic 54 other 47 and black 12 wow the shortage the several the severe shortage is forcing black women who need donor sperm into a painful choice choose a donor of another race and raise a biracial child or try to buy sperm from unregulated apps and online groups you really want to do that but hey they're that selfish they're that selfish they're that delusional they will do it they will do it okay they want the black man sperm not a black husband or a father just the sperm uh, yep her culture is delusion. It's the dominant culture here in America. Yeah, that's basically it. That's what she wants. She wants, you know, depravity to put, like I said, this is why I would never do it. Okay. Because I don't know the, the, the environment of my, of my son or daughter. Okay. I'm leaving them with, I don't know, God knows who, what type of dysfunctional freak of a woman. All right. That could end up abusing my kid. Okay, and saying it's okay. All right. The reasons for the shortage are a myriad of failure among cryobanks to recruit black donors, a selection process that demands three generation medical history, which may be challenging for black men who may not have access to the quality of health care. It excludes donors with felony convictions, mistrust of medical profession by black men because of the legacy of historical discrimination. The search for a donor sperm usually takes place at a cryobank website where someone can browse profiles of available donors with limited personal and genetic information. Baby pictures of donors may be available for an additional fee. I hope these women never get that. I hope they don't. I hope they don't. Because these women are just are delusional. Okay. On average, sperm is sold for nine hundred and fifty to thirteen hundred per viral. Donors receive seventy dollars, hundred fifty per donation. 
The cryobanks sell a fixed number of vials per donate per donor to limit the number of children fathered by one donor. The, there are more than 20 cryobanks in the country, four which have more than 100 donors among the four California Cryobank, Fairfax Cryobank, Seattle Sperm Bank, and Xtex. And supply fluctuates. But as of October 11th, there were only 12 black donors out of a total of 748. White and Asian donors are disproportionately represented, while Hispanic donors are also underrepresented. Of 15 women who talked to the Post, only one was able to buy sperm and conceive with a black donor. The black women detailed fierce, detailed fierce competition on cryobank websites for vials from black donors, which they say typically sell out within minutes. Angela Sep, uh, Stepanek, a DC educator, recalled putting vials of sperm from a black donor into our online shopping cart, only to be beaten out by a sorority sister who was on the phone, who was faster to check at the checkout. Sepanek had a mixed race child using sperm from a Latino donor. <laughs> These women are pathetic. Oh, wow, they're pathetic. Oh, man, this is so pathetic. <laughs> oh, man, it's pathetic. When I first got out of college, a lesbian asked me to donate my sperm for her and her lady. Oh, no, say hell no. Say hell no. Hell no. These are disgusting people to do that for, man. I'm sorry. It, this is wrong. You don't know what they're going to be doing to your kid. All right? It's not worth it. All right? Okay, how much money you have. You're not there when that kid cries. You're going to feel something. You're going to feel weird. I know I would. I would feel weird. I'd be like, my kid is there. I'm not there. I don't know who is raising my kid, what he's seeing, what he's experienced. It, no. At California Cryobank, the waiting list for an in-demand white donor is generally three months, according to the, to Jamie Shamaluki, the chief medical officer. The wait for a black donor, there are stretched as long as 18 months. And women in their late 30s and 40s who are facing diminishing fertility due to age simply can't wait. Yeah, because a lot of you are miserable. A lot of you don't want to conform to traditional values. You don't respect men. And you're doing some creepy um ghoul crap all right you're gonna go to a sperm bank put some man's sperm that you don't even know inside of you you know that if you want if you get what you need that means another sister won't get what she needs if she wants a black donor too i'm crying fasting praying and believing for a donor oh god ain't gonna give you that author dan candace benbo 40 said i know she's doing the same but I need to buy as much as I can, pay for my storage fee, and do what I can do. Wow, a storage. This is sick. This is pathetic. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh. <laughs> Talk about laughing at <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't want any of these women getting them. These women are probably selfish, delusional, feminist, Nazis. No way. No. No, you don't want to have that kid have a father in their life. You don't deserve a child. What is that child going to learn by only just having one parent in that home? Huh? What is he going to learn? What is he or she going to learn? Delusion. Especially from the black community. Black women are prepositioned to other fertility hurdles. They face high risk in conceiving and carrying a child. They're more likely to suffer uterine fibroids and other conditions that can compromise fertility. And three times more likely than white women to die of pregnancy-related pregnancy cause. And yet, they are less likely to be referred to the specialist than white women, said Michael Thomas, president-elect 
of the American Society of Reproductive Medicine. One of the biggest problems that we face as fertility doctors is getting those patients in sooner. And we see the gynecologists sometimes dragging their feet in those referrals because they just assume that these patients are going to get pregnant on their own. Thomas said, some believe inaccurately that black women are hyperfertile, he explained. The women all said that they love their kids, but they regret the lack of options. When they are in this position, sometimes you have to take what you can get, said Sandra Wilde, a caseworker in Chicago, who had a daughter and a set of twins using sperm donor from an Indian origin. Oh, well. Oh, well. Unfortunately, that kid's going to grow up messed up. Unfortunately, that kid's going to grow up so screwed up. Oh, man. You can read the rest on your own. It's sad. I just, man, I, I just, no. No, 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 no. No, you don't deserve it. No. Oh, man. A child of mine I'm going to take care of. Um, all BS. They hate the black men. She just want a child for attention. Yeah. And she probably even won't even love that kid properly. She won't. But let me show you another reason why you don't want to be. Uh, you don't want to be in that position. I'm going to show you. I don't know if many of you know this dude, but I'm going to show you him. Hold on a minute. All right. This, my friends, is Ari Nagel. Let's, t- let's hear his story. Right now, I'm about to go to family court. A mom refiled, trying to get more money. So I'm trying to, you know, explain that I'm already broke. At this point, my income is down to around 45 grand. So I'm not quite at the poverty level yet, but it's still putting me at risk. Fair use, by the way, fair use. I just got out of court. Uh, it could have gone worse. The judge kept it at uh, 250 by weekly. Uh, because I was able to show that my income tax did not go any higher. But they did order that I have to pay 50% of daycare, which would include... This was Ari Nagel. Two years ago, you would know him as the Sperminator. He would basically, uh, he would, you know, women would need, want sperm from him. Basically, he was a walking, talking sperm donor, like literally just banging women in order to give them sperm, his sperm. All over the world, they would come to see him, right? He would go visit them. He'd come to see them. And this is the this is the, the, the outcome now. This is the outcome, all right? Crazy donor's dad, Sally, has halved by child support and camp 46 moms, one donor dad. Child care and summer camp. I think that I might go see a lawyer and see what advice they have for they want to pay for summer camp. Remind, let me remind you, this guy was just a sperm donor. They just wanted his sperm. They didn't want him in the. They didn't want him in the life, probably. But they want him to pay for summer camp. You didn't have a relationship with him. You just wanted his sperm. You see why there's a, probably a black, um, a black sperm shortage now. Wait, look, look at the women. Look. Hold on a minute. Look at these women that he chose to look at them. Look at them. Look at them. Look at them.
dipping and out of the child's life. There's not a court that's going to say that that's in the child's best interest. Well, I have relationships with my children. I understand. I have a, I'm a presence in their life. I, I get it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if that a court would consider that presence or an increased presence to be in the child's best interest. They were in paying for daycare expenses, which includes the summer camp. And I cannot afford to pay 50% of the summer camp. I understand. So what I was That's trying to propose, yes, but what I was going to propose is instead of sending the kids to summer camp, I'll watch the kids in the summer, and then there won't be any summer camp expenses together. But These women are entitled ghetto black women. They don't care. They just want the best for their kid, but they didn't work for to have the best for their kid. You didn't go out there and have a relationship with a man. See a man that would love you for you. Take your time. Get to know this man. Have standards. If the man reject you, oh, well, move on. No, you wanted to just have a child and with, a, with any man that would give you a child. And then you want to make that man that you said didn't want to have in his life, in this child's life, to act like a father by paying for summer camp. Black, black men, keep that sperm count dry for these women. Keep it dry. Please have a spine, have a backbone. Don't let these women play you. All right? There's a reason why in this society that we are bombarded every day with sexual innuendos on social media, on television, on billboards, because they want you to jerk off. They want you hooked on porn. They don't want you doing no fab. They don't want you to have any self-control. Okay. They want you to be a breeding, um, just a, just a breeding machine, making reckless decisions, exploiting you. They already, uh, filled liberal black women with white supremacy thoughts. They want you just to be a breeder. That's what they want you to be. Slavery never left. It just took many forms, sometimes digital. I think that you have a couple of options. The first is to stop having kids, to stop donating your sperm. If you're not going to just stop, then you need to start taking steps to protect yourself. Robert, you never really experienced a case like mine, and it's really charming territory. There's something called a known donor in the agreement, it would detail your whole understanding. Right, they're saying we don't care what agreement you had prior to conception. Ultimately, they do what's in the best interest of the child. They do, but it sounds like they haven't had any agreement. What you're doing, there's no guarantee. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that you can't take some steps to protect yourself. Well, he gave me an agreement to take with me that he recommended I have, but the mom signed. But I think the fact is, no matter what, I'm assuming some risk. I think the payoff is such a beautiful thing, helping so many beautiful families grow. It is certainly a risk I'm willing to take. I have another couple that I'm meeting tonight for the first time, although I think she's coming solo. He's still doing his crap. He's still doing this. What if you think so? She do. I know nothing about her. I don't even know her name. Are you going to talk to her before or are you just going to hand her a No, we can we'll both sit and smoke it up. Well, that's some number. It's a, but it's becoming a it's more than half my salary. It's more than half your salary, and yet you're still leaving it. Half your salary, half your salary, and you're still doing this. Still are. Black men keep the sperm count low with these women. 
Let them fight like hungry dogs over a piece of bread when it comes to this. All right. I'm not. These women don't deserve because they're not going to give a good life for these kids. They're not. All right. I preferably I would like, you know, the sperm banks to close down. All right. Because this is not good for these kids involved. The kids will suffer. It's always the kids. You know what's the kicker with this? This guy is a math professor, a professor, a math professor doing this. These these mothers would find somebody else to do what they do. The only reason you were uh, look, he oh man, this guy has mental he has mental health problems. That's all I can say. He has mental health problems, and he's liked for doing this because I'm sorry he has privilege. He has privilege. I'm not going to tell you the type of privilege, but you know what type of privilege I'm talking about. Okay, so I'm gonna just move on right now. Okay. I'll just move on. It's this, this. Ah, man. Ah. But I'm gonna tell you also. I'm gonna do. I'm. You know. There's another story that. Uh, huh. Oh boy. Somebody knocked up this woman. Okay. This is why I say that they just. I don't know. Let's just get into it. That we have and an investigation that is expanding. The case of fair 16 use, fair use. twins who escaped from their home in Texas. Running from their lives and running for their lives and from their parents okay you remember this this is the video from the neighbor's home this neighbor opened her door for them at 5 30 in the morning thank god she got up and she got them in look at the pictures they tell you everything you need to know the wounds the scars the handcuffs that grinded into their wrists these kids look like they're 11 or 12 they're 16 so much smaller than they should be evidence of the abuse. Two cops spent hours with him at the hospital. Colonel Courtney Reyes and Deputy Ann, uh, uh, Deputy Ann Cornicia Tyler. 
They're from the Harris County. What you, you see this is like, there's certain people, they just don't deserve a man's sperm. Certain women, they don't deserve it. And unfortunately, here's the thing, though. These, these women, they don't care about rhyme or reason. They get pregnant by the wrong dude, and they want to blame all black men. Okay? I remember when I uh, was talking to a woman on Facebook, and she was complaining, you need to tell your fellow black men not to be getting these women pregnant, not to be doing this and that. I said, listen, if it's that much to you, stop having premarital sex and start looking at these men for what they could give you other than kids and your problems are solved. All of a sudden she flipped because she tried to put it solely on the man. But you're letting these men put their raw vegetables in you. Unless it was rape and you let that raw vegetable in you, it's your fault. You let this man make a kid with you. You agreed. Two can't walk together unless they agree. The sheriff's office and they join us now. Uh, both of you, thank you so much for doing the job and for helping us understand the depth of this situation. Thank you. So, Colonel, what did you learn uh, in terms of the kind of the level of what these kids had to suffer at the hand of their parents, specifically their mom? So when the call came in, our, um, sometimes whenever we get calls and dispatch provides us with information, sometimes it's not what it seems. So when we arrived to the hospital, we uh, were shocked and in disbelief to see the twins who were extremely malnourished and um, clearly abused with bruises and blisters and lacerations. Um, and it was in five years, it's something that I've never experienced. I, mean, the I kids, never thought I would experience. The kids seem to be undersized. Um, you know, I mean, I couldn't believe that they were 16 when I first saw them and the cuts into their arms. When they detailed to you, uh, what were some of the most shocking things that they said they were subjected to at their parents' hand? I think the, the most shocking thing was a question that I'd asked is, how were you able to use the restroom if you were both handcuffed to a dolly? And they said that they would either have to use the restroom on themselves or a sibling would help them. Um, and information that the sister had said was that the mom had to or would um, make her and her brother eat their own feces. And Wow. Fair use. Wow. Miss Mother and her boyfriend, the, the both parents need to, need to be put under, they need to be locked up for life. That's it, life. And I said before, that man who did this, he is not going to survive prison. It's not going to be good for him. He ain't, he ain't making it. He's not going to make it. It's just a fact. Fed one to three times a week, mustard 
sandwiches, like condiment sandwiches. This is a picture of the mom I'm putting up on the screen right now. One of the scariest things here is, of course, she looks totally normal. These these women, you know, they mess with the wrong dude and they take their frustration out on the kids because they because they have kids now, they have responsibilities. They can't move around and do what they want to do. And it's selfishness and it's sad. Okay, that these women do this monstrous things to their children. And it's sad that you have a lot of black women not calling this out. You talk about how black men kill black women, but you ain't going to talk about how black women are, you know, not all black women are doing. Let's just get this straight. But these types of black women who are irresponsible, um, low vibration, possibly low income, you know, tormenting their kids. All because they can't live up and take responsibility for their actions and make their kids um, be productive citizens, not harm their kids, be loving and just roll with what the, with what they have done. OK, roll with it, take responsibility, take accountability and help them to learn from your mistakes, not abuse them. But unfortunately, in the black community, that is brainwashed with democratic policies, they refuse to take accountability. Uh, it's one of the most frightening aspects of when we uh, learn details that make somebody a monster, but they look like they could be any of us. Um, that level of malnutrition, uh, have you ever heard of anything like that? Feeding a child just one to three times a week? I've never heard of anything like that, and as uh, we are both mothers to six and seven year olds, and you know, as a mom, I that's it's still something that I can't comprehend. Um, you know, as mothers, we're the ones that uh, open our arms for whether it's good or bad. Um, our kids run to us, and in this case, these kids were running away from their mother. And uh, is it also true? that the girl, there was obviously uh, twins, uh, brother and sister, that the girl was wearing a Walmart bag as a shirt. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Oh. And Deputy Reyes, is it true that the, thank you for joining us, is it true that the brother had like smuggled out a key or something and they had kind of, you know, prepared to make an escape? So from what he told us was that he found a key and at some point um, he, he hid it inside of his mouth until he felt that it was safe enough or, or when his mother and her boyfriend went to sleep so that he could um, unlock the handcuffs for him and his sister. And one of the things that I told him was that I was so proud of him for being so brave and so courageous for having this will to survive and making sure that he didn't leave his sister behind. This is sad, man. This is so sad. I mean, even if they do get a good foster parents, they will forever be traumatized. Okay? They have to they will live with trust issues for the rest of their lives. Okay? And they will have to get a lot of therapy. They will be angry. They will be violent. They will. The sister is going to, especially 
when they get older, it, it, it's they're not going to be able to cope sometimes. Maybe they will. But the mother needs to spend life in prison. And so does the father. If that is her father, like it or not, he, he was complicit. He abused them as well. He got a rotten prison too. Okay. So we are going to talk about more about Ukraine. All right. That's what we're going to do. All right. Hold on a minute. And this is what's going on. Okay. Students and teachers give the Nazi salute at Institute in the Ukrainian city of Lviv. Look at this. And our tax dollars are going over to Ukraine to help white supremacy. This is what's going on. We are helping white supremacy. Okay. And let me see if I could get on to this site right here. Hold up. One second. Right. Sorry about that. Okay. All right. All right, here we go. So I'm trying to get to this website right now. Okay. Well, I'll show you this. And this is what's also going on in Ukraine. All right. They are wearing. You guessed it. The purest of white sheets. That's what they're doing over there in Ukraine. Let's see. Let's check out what else. And what did they say? Yep, KKK is back. Yes, we are racist. That's what they're about. That is what they are about. Okay. Let's check out something else. Okay, here we go. All right, here. Yep, here we are. Let's see. If I can get. All right. Is it showing? No, it is not. Hold on a minute. I was able to get it for. I don't know why. One second. (sighs) 
second post link okay clipboard all right okay let's see here all right let's see All right, so um, bad news, bad news. I tried to um, bring it here. I tried to bring it onto the other side, try to get it from the other site, but I'm not able to do that. All right. Nope, I'm not. Okay, so we're just going to have to move on. Sorry about that, guys. Sorry about disappointing you like this. But there was more about Ukraine that I wanted to bring up. Okay. Well, you saw what I could bring up, though. You saw what I could bring up. All right. Let's see. Oh, hold on. Hold on a minute. Oh, hold on. Let's see. Okay, hold on, hold on a second. Ah, I got it. I got it. Okay, here we go. We are rocking tonight. We are rocking. So, okay. So, here we go. Yeah, man. Yeah. We, 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 We in here. Okay. All right. So, what we have here. Okay. Ukrainian Nazis. All right. Ukrainian neo-Nazis, a special German police unit protecting two Ukrainian Nazi skanks with a World War II Nazi bandera slogan sign, Moses Kaluko Nekaluko, which translates Hang the Russians. The slogan became famous by the Banderas working for the Nazi SS who are eradicating Jews, Poles, and Russians in Nazi-occupied regions of Ukraine. The slogan was resurrected after a 2014 coup in Ukraine when neo-Nazis came to power. Okay. Let's see. Hold on a minute. All right. View content. All right. View channel. I wonder if you guys could see it. Let me see. Let me see. 
Okay, all right. These people not a joke, man. These people not a joke, all right? This is what they really are about, okay? One second. All right. Hold on. So it's really crazy, man. I mean, people trying to say, oh, well, you know, you know, the Ukrainians are peaceful. No, the hell they're not. These people are not to be played with. They're not to be taken lightly. All right. Let's see if I could get uh, something else here. Hold on. Ah, man. Let's see. Nah, nah, not able to get much from here. All right, we're going to move on because I'm having problems. I don't want to delay. All right. So I'm trying to get the uh trying to show the channel but I can't. All right, so we're moving on. Moving on. All right. Okay. Okay, so we're going to be talking about Elon Musk right now. Okay. Um, let's see, let me get right here. Elon Musk, Elon Musk. Let's get to that. Elon Musk owning Twitter as a national security threat. Nicole Gill is a co-founder and executive director, and Jesse Litch is a co-founder and senior advisor to Accountable Tech. 
Since the news first broke that Elon Musk planned to acquire Twitter and take the social media giant private, tech experts have consistently sounded the alarm for good reason. Musk has promised to roll back safeguards against harassment and hate speech, criticize content and content modernization policies aimed at limiting misinformation and about elections and public health and pledged to reinstate accounts for of public figures who are banned for inciting violence. But despite all the headlines about the online and real world danger, Musk control of Twitter could cause one could cause one is getting overlooked. Elon Musk owning Twitter is a national security risk to the United States. Here's why. Oh man. They just don't want free speech. That's basically it. They don't want free speech. First, Elon Musk is eliciting communications with foreign actors, including senior officials in the Kremlin and Chinese Communist Party, who could use his acquisition of Twitter to undermine American national security. Just this week, reports resurfaced that Musk may have spoken directly with Vladimir Putin to discuss Russia's invasion of Ukraine. After that conversation allegedly took place, Musk tweeted Kremlin propaganda, which Putin's spokesman quickly celebrated. And Musk's Starlink satellite system reportedly went down briefly over the front lines of Ukraine, causing communication devices outages for the Ukrainian military. Now it's reported Musk wants the Pentagon to pick up the tab for Starlink in Ukraine. So what is it now? You are for the Ukrainians and now you're switching over to Russia? And Musk hasn't just closed up to Russia. He has also raised eyebrows in recent days for floating a proposal that would give China control over some parts of Taiwan, a move eerie in line with Chinese Communist Party propaganda and heavily criticized by pro-democracy groups. This came after Musk handed China's President Xi Jinping a shameful propaganda coup earlier this year by opening a Telso showroom in China's Jinping region, where Xi's regime is carrying out an ongoing genocide of the Uyghurs. These actions raise significant national security concerns for the U.S., given Musk could have unilaterally control over a uniquely influential global communications platform. If successful in acquiring Twitter, Will Musk keep in place with the critical safeguards Twitter has implemented to limit the reach of Russian war propagandists and CCP misinformation? Musk overtures to repressive regimes can't be viewed in a vacuum or dismissed as misguided frivolities of a quirky billionaire. Rather, they are embedded systems of a serious underlying disease, his deep financial conflict of interest. Musk's fortunes are heavily dependent on his business relationship with China and, to a lesser extent, Russia. Telsa relies on China for raw materials to make its EV batteries with cheap labor. With 10,000 employees at its Shanghai factory alone, and the company recently announced a China, uh, China retail strategy that will expand the car makers' access to the second largest consumer market in the world. In 2020, Musk's company has also began mass purchasing metal from the Kremlin, tied aluminum giant Russell. The company's founder, Oleg Deripaska, was directly was recently indicated for U.S. sanctions violations. And the White House is now considering cracking down on the company or banning Russian aluminum altogether in lights of Putin's latest war crimes. Moreover, Musk's 44 billion Twitter acquisition itself is reliant upon massive investments from foreign investors, including Saudi Prince Alawid, Abin Talalal Al Saud, and the Sovereign Wealth Fund of Qatar, two countries run by repressive regimes that often make special often make decisions at odds with U.S. national security. But hold on. Okay, 
Biden has, what has Biden been doing? What has his administration been doing? You have been giving weapons and medical aid to terrorists, Ukraine neo-Nazis who are terrorists. Plus, you are probably giving weapons to terrorist cells since the military weapons have no serial numbers. So they're all over the place. Across the board, these financial conflicts raise serious national concerns, national security damn it, serious national security concerns. Will must foreign investors have influence over Twitter's content moderation policies? Will the Chinese exploit their significant leverage over the must to demand his he censor criticism of the CCP or turn the dial up for polls that so distrust in democracy? Finally, it's not just America's information ecosystem. That's at stake. It's also private data of American citizens. Controlling Twitter would provide Musk with potential access to to troves of sensitive user data that could benefit foreign actors. Musk has exploited access to people's personal data and online activities before. During his tenure as CEO, Tesla reportedly paid a public relations firm to surveil employees' social media accounts as they sought to unionize. Wow. But I, I don't know why the United States... You know, it's like he's not a problem unless he wants to really do things that they don't like. Okay, he was all for uh, he was a Nazi sympathizer. But then now that he's going to do what he's what he, you know, is in his nature as a businessman, protect his investments, protect what has kept him a billionaire. Now he's the enemy. I don't get it. He wasn't the enemy when he was thinking about company towns and how we all, I mean, do your history about um, your historical research. Historical research. Sorry about that. Do your research when it comes to company towns. Okay. How they had utter control of the people. All right. What they ate. Okay. If they could leave the town or not. All this. Um, Musk wanted to do right, but the U.S. government didn't have a problem with that because New World Order and they want slaves, so they don't care. But once he started to act like a businessman, now he's a threat. Hmm. Typical. What could I say? <sighs> Telsa also rolled back privacy protections last year, leaving customers with little option but to submit to the company's collection of in-car video and voice recordings along with precise location data, the kind of data that could jeopardize the safety of American citizens if sought by foreign entities. These threats to national security require American leaders to act. For starters, Congress should immediately open an investigation and leverage its subpoena power to more fully understand what threats I must control Twitter would pose. In addition, the Inter- Interagency Committee on Foreign Investments in the U.S., which has broad authority to scrutinize mergers and acquisitions involving foreign investors, and is reportedly already looking into deal into the deal, should continue and expand their probe. It is imperative that American leaders fully understand Musk's motives, financing, and loyalties amidst his bid to acquire Twitter. You guys didn't care when he was sympathizing with Nazis. 
especially given the high stakes geopolitically reality we are living in now, the fate of American national security and our information ecosystem hanging in the balance. Um, why isn't uh, nobody was jumping down Joe Biden's neck when he wanted to take the social credit system from China and bring it over to the U.S.? You all want to talk about must, must, must. But what about what Biden was doing? I mean, come on now. He got his son. He bribed a Ukrainian official to get his son off the hook. All right. To get the lawyer that was prosecuting his son fired. Nobody saw a problem with that. Because everybody's in on it. Everybody's in on it. That's basically what it is. Okay, so we're going to look into Kevin uh, DeLeon. All right, that's what we're going to look into. may not know, but he's the guy, one of the city council members who made, he was a Latino who made racist remarks along with uh, Nuri Martinez. He was alone, he was laughing, you know, agreeing right along with her. And he refuses to resign. Let's see what he has to say. Hard Talk Radio live in 4K. Just a short time ago, we spoke with L.A. Councilman Kevin DeLeon, who says he has no plan on resigning his council seat, but he also says he failed. Uh, I guess my first question to you is the question all of L.A. has for you, which is, what is Kevin DeLeon going to do when you resign? Let me say that I'm not going to mince words. I'm not going to deflect blame. I'm not going to defend the defenseless. This past week, I've taken inventory with, with my family, with my friends, with my staff, and I've raised a, a, a light bright light, you know, doing self-examination. And I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry to my constituents. I'm sorry to my colleagues. I'm sorry to the family of my father, to, to my family, to all those who have supported me, especially gathers and security officers and the workers. To step up and shut down a conversation, of words that were incendiary, words that were painfully hurtful. I didn't do that, and I'm so sorry for the city of LA for not stepping up and being the leader that they expected me to be. Listen, I, I grew up in poverty. The youngest child was still immigrant mother with a third grade education. And I represent a district that's among the poorest in the entire nation. It was devastated because of the coronavirus. I had the highest infection and mortality rate. I had I have the largest homeless population. Nobody cares about your family, dude. Nobody cares. Stop singing that violin. You won't say you apologize to blacks. They live in L.A. You won't say that. I apologize to the security staff. I apologize to the maintenance. You don't apologize. He's just like Nuri Martinez. 
oh, I'm the first Latino. Uh, no one cares. If you want, you, you don't, it's so bad that they feel they've done nothing wrong. There's nothing I apologize to blacks, to the black community in L.A. You can't get away from this, man. This stings. They don't want you there. They don't want you there as city council. Now, a lot of people are saying that, you know, I've talked to people on social media. They say that, you know what? Um, we should do like the Latinos. We should get into power and screw over everybody else and just do for blacks. That's not. No, you don't do what they do because you see what just happened here. Because you'll get voted out and the same process will happen all over again. And they're using, it's not their money to use for just their own people. That money is for the city. The money is for the city, period. Everybody who lives in that city needs to be taken care of. That's the whole point. If you want to do it for your own, fine. Do it with your own money. You can't do it with your own money? Don't do it at all then. Because if you're thinking about just screwing up everybody else with money that's meant for the, everybody who lives in the city, regardless of their ethnicity, you don't belong be working in the city. That's just corruption. And it's going to cause infighting. And look what happened. Look what happened here. His day has come. 
and Dillon doesn't deserve to be city council anymore. Doesn't deserve it. You can't even apologize to the blacks in the community that you have offended and hurt. Can't do it. I haven't heard a word about this. And I don't want to hear anymore. Because the more he talks, the more it just it, it's it's aggravating. It really is. I'll do the work. I'll do, no, it, there is no work to do. You're done. Let me show you how done he really is. Bring a billion-dollar project to downtown Los Angeles. Say they will not work with Council Member Kevin DeLeon on that massive project. NBC4's Alex Rozier joins us live right now with the reaction from the developers to that now infamously conversation. Alex. Yeah, the developers called that conversation offensive and painful to hear. And because of Kevin DeLeon's contributions to it, they say they will no longer work with him. And I was personally attracted to Los Angeles because of its diversity and its inclusion. Don Peebles and Victor McFarlane hope to bring a two-tower, $1.6 billion development to downtown L.A. Angels Landing will stand next to the Angels Flight Trolley with one tower at 500 feet, another around 900 feet. It will be the largest building ever done by African-American developers in the country. Um, the developers say the projects see this african-americans instead of apologizing to african-americans you want to talk about how you grew up in the slums oh you know i've had many challenges that should not be what you could coming out of your mouth you're spitting in the face of african-americans okay it's just sickening. And the saddest thing is being in this country, being black, and you're treated like an animal. By people who beg to come into this country. By people who are dirt poor than African Americans. That when they come here, they want to kiss the white man's backside, but you're still working as some, you know, housekeeper or working in some field for what, $3 an hour? And got the nerve, or some warehouse, and you got the nerve to twist your tongue to call a black man the N word or some racial slur? And you want to talk about, you know, Nero Martinez made me sick. I was the first Latina. No one cares. They want to, they demand an apology. You guys are either racist, not all of you, not all of Latinos, but the ones that are, you're racist, you're sellouts, and you'll sell out the whole, the, the country for not, um, for Nazis. Look at AOC. 
just kissing the white man's backside. Oh, we want to give money to Nazis? Yeah, let's give money to Nazis. And now she's getting torn apart at a town hall meeting. Rightfully so. But that's the things, you know, you have with some ethnic groups. Even within the black culture, they want to kiss the white man's backside. Not knowing that that white man leading you to a ditch. And to get out of that ditch, he'll throw you under the bus to do it. I'm talking about racist white people. It's been in the works for five years, but some of the steps before construction have taken longer than they hoped, in part because they say council member Kevin DeLeon only met with them once for 15 minutes. And now after the racist audio, the developers think they know why. It was illuminating because... 15 minutes! A development project, big one, for 15... Man, you don't need to be city council anymore. It indicated that they, he thought about this less than. And as a result, um, it makes it impossible for us to work with him or anyone who expresses those kinds of ideals. So you have no plans to engage with Kevin DeLeon moving forward on this project? No. <clears throat> no. De Leon's office said the reason the project is delayed is not due to the council member, it's due to the developers. The council member's communication director said today De Leon never spends significant time with developers to avoid bias or even the appearance of giving favorability. Spokesperson Pete Brown said this is a, quote, deeply cynical ploy to give themselves a favorable advantage in negotiations. I refuse personally to work with Racists are racist enablers. It's a big project now involved in a big controversy, but the developers say they still look forward to bringing the buildings to downtown L.A. And so the goal here is for the project to break ground in the next 18 months. They hope for it to be done by the time the Olympics come to town here in Los Angeles. And as for how today's news will impact the developments and their plans, we'll see. Yeah, man. Yeah, that is just how it is, okay? That is how it is. When people tell you who they are, you believe them. You believe them. Okay? And uh, it's, it's disheartening, man. It's really disheartening. So, let's talk about Salman Rushdie. A respectable man. Man I respect. He had courage to do what he did. Okay. Let's get into it. Salman Rushdie has lost vision in one eye. He has also lost the ability to use one of his hands following attacks in August. He was stabbed before he was set to deliver a speech in the United States. The 75-year-old author had received several death threats after he published the Satanic Verses. 
He was stabbed several times in the neck and abdomen before his talk in New York. For those of you who don't know, the Satanic Verses is what is uh, the verses in Islam, okay? And in Islam, they put out a fatwa, you know, they basically they put a price on his head. And he had to be in hiding, okay? And uh, people get mad, but hey, that's this is what Islam is. Islam is... There's, there's millions of women running from Islam, Islamic countries every year. Okay? If it's so great, if it's such a religion of peace, why are women running from, you know, their homelands? Muslim women running from their homelands. Hmm? Why are they going to different religions? I just want to know. Wherever they go, atheist, Christian, they want to leave. All right. I remember in Africa, there was this woman who rejected a Muslim boy and they beat her to death. Said that she blasphemed Allah. See the thing is with that in Islam, you know, there's a you can you're allowed to lie in Islam. You could just say this man blasphemed Muhammad or this woman blasphemed Muhammad, and that's it. That's all that's needed. So you have a there's a lot of pro, you have incels, a lot of problems with that religion. You have incels, um, the fact that they're extremely racist. Islam, it's a lot. The author's agents say that he has three serious wounds in his neck. They say that his hand was incapacitated as a result of cuts on his nerves. The agents also say that he had 15 more wounds on his chest and torso. Rushdie was airlifted to a nearby hospital for emergency surgery after the attack. Since then, his condition has improved significantly the agent did not give any other details about Rushdie. He also did not say whether the author was still hospitalized. However, he said that Rushdie was going to leave. Salman Rushdie had lived in hiding for years after Iran's supreme leader, Ayatollah Rahola Khomeini, ordered his killing. The leader said that his book was insulting. The suspect was immediately arrested Following the attack, the attack sparked massive outrage in the West. Much respect to Mr. Rushdie. Got out the truth, and uh, he um, paid a high price. He really did. Okay, last one. Uh, yeah, time's up, time's up, time's up. I'll probably do it tomorrow. I'll talk about Biden's laptop tomorrow. I mean, Hunter Biden's laptop tomorrow. All right, hope you guys enjoyed the stream. Talk to you guys later. Like, share, comment, subscribe.